Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, at the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Thank you, Jane, for your support and the reading. Good morning, church. Good morning, everybody online. This is my first sermon ever. You can imagine how excited I am <laughs> and how terrified as well. But I console myself that I'm probably not quite as excited or quite as terrified as Matt was when he stood here on this stage a week ago. Some of you will know that I'm a very experienced business speaker, but I'm a very inexperienced preacher, and I feel that difference today. When I talk in front of chief executives, I'm aware of the presence of their shareholders, but when I talk in front of a church, I'm aware of the presence of the ultimate shareholder, the one who owns our lives, God. So I feel that difference today, and I ask the Lord to be gentle with me, humble servant that I am. So let's start with a show of hands. How many of you have come across the story of Martha and Mary before? Oh dear. <laughs> Look at that. It's my first sermon and I get to talk about the One Jesus story that everyone has already heard about many times before. You can imagine what my first prayer was as I prepared for today. Lord, give me something new to say because I fear they will have heard it all before. In desperation for inspiration, I dug into my notes from the theology course that I'm studying currently at Regent's Park, and in particular, I reached for this book. This book is called 360 Degree Preaching by Michael Quick, and in reading Michael's book, I learned that giving a sermon is like learning to drive a car. At first, you diligently follow the highway code, and then gradually, you forget all the rules and you just do your own thing. We have a lot of expert preachers in our congregation who are doing the equivalent of handbrake turns and 85 miles per hour in the fast lane with their preaching. But I'm a novice, so today I'm going to follow the highway code. And you will remember when you learn to drive that formula, mirror signal maneuver. There's a preaching equivalent of that, which is in Michael's book, which has a number of stages. And he talks about first impressions, listen carefully. Find the main idea, apply to today, and keep listening carefully. So I'm going to follow the highway code and start with Michael's first suggestion. What were my first impressions when I listened to these verses? Because he says that you shouldn't go and read the commentaries that explain what the verses mean. 
because that will corrupt your listening. Preachers need to practice a personal listening to God's word, he says, in the belief that the same spirit who breathes scripture into existence continues to give it life today. God has something to say through this passage today, which he has not chosen to say at any other time in any other way. So I felt I needed to make room for God to speak to me. I read the passage out loud many times, uh, read it from many different versions of the Bible. I went to sleep thinking about it. I started making notes on my first impressions, and this is what came up. First, I noticed Martha shows Jesus hospitality. She has the good intentions. She is the hard worker. She is the main character. Then Mary, she's just a bystander. All she's doing is listening. And I thought about Jesus' rebuke of Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset by many things. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. How rude. How judgmental. How would that have made me feel? Angry, resentful, rejected, just like Martha. The more I thought about the passage, the more I fell out with Jesus. And the angrier I got, just like Martha. Those are my first impressions. And if I'd been given a business speech, that is the track I would have gone down. But this is a sermon. And the difference is we are here to listen to God. We are here to listen carefully. That is the next stage in Michael's preaching process. Ask God the question, God, what do you want me to say about these verses to these people today? Ask the question and then listen carefully. So before I went to sleep that night, I prayed, Lord, help me understand what it is you want me to say to the congregation of Shirley Baptist Church today through these verses. When I woke early the next morning, I was emptying the dishwasher, just like Martha would have done, and I heard God speaking to me. And what I heard God say was this, John, John, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. God confronted my inner Martha, and in response, I ventured to ask God a question, Lord, Lord. What then is the one thing that is needed? The Lord replied, the one thing that is needed is for you, John, to focus on me. Turn your face to me, listen to me, be on your knees next to me, just like Mary. Bingo. My righteous anger, my first impression, my empathizing with Martha was all a distraction. A distraction from the main idea of this sermon. Listen carefully. That was the moment that I realized what Michael Quick talks about in his book, about the one good idea, the main impact, the central message. God has called me here today to say to you, church, church, you are worried and distracted by many things, and few things are needed, or indeed, only one. The one thing that Jesus needs from this church and from you right now is to focus on him, turn your face to him. Listen to him. Be on your knees with him, just like Mary. Once I had got the main idea, then all sorts of other stuff started popping into my head. The floodgates had opened. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, immediately prior to the story of Martha and Mary, 
Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's also a story about hospitality. But Jesus prefaces it by answering the question, what must you do to inherit eternal life? To which he gives the following answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Only one thing is needed. Suddenly I remembered the verses that Glynis had given to me when I last stood on this stage being admitted as a member of the church. Matthew 6.33 Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you as well. Only one thing is needed. Then I came across a commentary about the Martha and Mary story which said the following. The problem with Martha is not her serving, but rather that she is worried and distracted. Martha's worry and distraction prevents her from being truly present with Jesus and causes her to drive a wedge between her sister and herself and between Jesus and herself. She has missed out on the one thing needed for true hospitality. There is no greater hospitality than listening carefully to your guest. Throughout chapter 10, Luke has emphasized the importance of hospitality, which was greatly valued in the culture of the time. But now he is playing his trump card. What greater hospitality can we ever show others than in listening carefully to them, particularly if the guest in your house happens to be the Son of God? Armed with my main idea, I came to church last week and I listened carefully to Matt. And you can imagine my ears pricked up when I heard Matt say, the most important challenge facing the Western church is to get our eyes focused back on Jesus. In a fractured society, a broken community, we don't need more activity. We need more engagement with Jesus. We need to rest in his presence. In other words, we don't need more Martha. We need more Mary. Maybe Matt is coming to bring more Mary into our church. After all these extra proddings and pokings, I said, okay, God, I get it, I get it. I've listened carefully. I've heard the main message many times. Today's message is about the importance of seeking you, listening to you. But why do you want this message spoken about to this church today? At first, I didn't have an answer to that question. But then on February 24th, Russian tanks rolled across the north, east, and southern borders of Ukraine. Europe was suddenly at war. And I realized why we need to listen carefully today. For the past two weeks, we have not been able to escape the images and languages, language and sounds of war. War is being pumped into our living rooms 24 by 7. It is there on your news feed whenever you get a moment to check your phone, something that my son yesterday described to me as doom scrolling. It is in every, in every conversation you hear on the train or at the bus stop, it has become our daily diet. And yet we know that, what we, that we become what we focus upon. What we focus upon becomes our reality. So if we are all focusing upon war, 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 then will not our own lives become war, war, war? My dad is 87. He's a very robust person. But he said to me on the phone the other day that he was watching the news on a Friday afternoon and it all got too much for him and he had to get up 
leave his flat and go for a walk. In our home group on Monday, Lynn requested prayer for our young people. All those young children who are coming home from school and asking their parents questions like, what happens if the Russians invade Poland? Or, do you think there is going to be a nuclear war? And this is after two years of COVID, 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 which itself came after four years of Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. How much more can our fragile minds take? This diet of crisis, crisis, crisis is a bad diet. It's the nutritional equivalent of only ever eating supersized fast food. If you eat a Big Mac with large fries every day for seven years, what's going to happen? You lose your physical health and well-being. Similarly, we will lose our mental health and well-being if all we listen carefully to over seven years is crisis, crisis, crisis. How would Martha respond to the Ukraine crisis? I guess she might be rushing around the house with her hands in the air shouting, Lord, don't you care that Putin has invaded Ukraine? We need to do something now. We need to raise money. We need to take in a refugee. We need to demonstrate. We need to enforce a no-fly zone. We need to stop it now. How would Mary respond? I guess Mary would be sat at the feet of the Lord, listening to him, focusing upon him, loving him, learning from him, worshipping him, absorbing him, consumed by him. Which of these two approaches do you think is more likely to bring the miracle of Jesus' love into a broken world? Yes, our Martha activities are important. We want to help. But when we do help, we also want to be disciples of Jesus, bringing that love and peace into people's lives. Matthew 5:13, "You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again?" Romans 12 verse two, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. It is time to recognize the worry and distraction caused by this war and to make sure we all still find time to listen carefully to Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we find that inner Mary when we are caught up in a global crisis. Now this is the point in the sermon when I'm going to go off piste. I've followed Michael's book faithfully up to this point, but I'm afraid the business speaker in me is going to take over at this point, because nothing in Michael's book, in, in Michael's book says anything about interacting with the congregation. That's a dirty business for the holy priest. <laughs> but I cannot stand here and lecture you about listening carefully without taking a moment to listen carefully to you. What helps you listen carefully to Jesus when you find yourself worried 
and distracted by events in Ukraine. So in a moment, I'm going to invite Paul to take a, a microphone into the congregation and I invite people online to put their answers to that question in the chat. What helps you listen carefully to Jesus when you find yourself worried and distracted by events in Ukraine? But one of the things I learned from my business speaking career is don't ever ask people to do things you're not prepared to do yourself. So let me answer that question firstly for myself. What have I done to try and listen more carefully to Jesus in the past two weeks? One of the things I'm experimenting with doing is that I used to take my mobile phone into the bedroom and leave it on my bedside cabinet on an evening because I use it for my alarm. But I'm experimenting with leaving it downstairs in the kitchen because as I walk away from it, I feel like I'm walking away from that news feed. I feel like I'm walking away from the world and I'm walking towards Jesus. And I'm hoping that it will make it easier for me to listen as I sleep and as I pray if that world is just a little bit more distant from me. I asked Jane the same question. What helps Jane listen carefully to Jesus when she's worried and distracted? And Jane talked about making time for her hobbies. And she said that when she makes time for her hobbies and is wholehearted about that activity, she feels closer to God in those moments. I even dared to ask Paul what he did to listen carefully to Jesus when he was worried and distracted. And Paul talked about a physical thing, a mental thing, and a spiritual thing that he does. Physically, he finds a different space. A bit like my dad, he, he, he finds a different space um, where maybe he, he feels closer to Jesus. Mentally, he would read scripture or another devotional. And spiritually, he looks to find stillness. And these things help him listen carefully to Jesus. So I hope those examples just give you an idea of the very small practical things that maybe we could do to listen more carefully. And just invite people to share their own answers to that question. What do you do and what have you done in the last two weeks that helps you listen carefully to Jesus? Find, find a good way to focus into Jesus, his boy's word. What are the preachers just said, Paul's letters, which are amazing. Like the New Testament, it's absolutely amazing to get close to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. It's inspired of the Holy Spirit scriptures, so it does torture to live in word. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, the living word, in particular, Paul's letters. Yeah, thank you. I too have a mobile phone and take it into the bedroom, um, but I actually use it for my daily reading, uh, and I find it very easy not to do your daily reading and pick up the newsfeed. So I'm trying to stick to routine, because the routine of a daily reading and not spending my time looking at the newsfeed is much more constructive for me. Yeah, so, so we might have had some great routines three or four weeks ago, and those routines might be being threatened and undermined by this distraction. So sticking to those routines and having that discipline despite the distraction. Thank you. Becky. Um, 
So I really like uh, just putting my headphones in and uh, putting some worship music on and going for a walk. Um, and then as I walk um, and I'm looking at all the, the things around the nature and all of God's creation and just listening to his, to, to people worshiping, um, I feel really close to God then. Yeah, great. Thank you. So music, for some people, that music, that worship music and being out in nature can be a great way of getting and listening carefully. And bring up my microphone. I'll just pick up a couple for that we've got from the chat already. Uh, been playing a worship song a day on the piano, singing every word of the song, and it becoming my tune in my head for the day. Isn't that lovely? That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, what is the tune that is in yeah. in your head for the day? Yeah. And another response: reading the psalms. Reading the psalms. So, so keep it going in the chat just for a few more moments, and keep it going in the sanctuary. Let's hear. Others' responses. I like to just go in the garden and to just hear the birds singing and to dig the garden. Uh, that engages my head with God that, that way. Great. Yeah, so again, like hobbies, gardening, other activities that bring us that meditation. Yeah, uh, similar to many others, um, when I'm swimming when I'm drawing and when I'm walking on my own, which are, you know, happening at least once a week, but not twice or three times. Great, thank you. Anybody over here? I don't think we've had anybody on this side before. Yeah, we've got a hand there, thank you. Um, fasting one day a week instead of eating lunch sitting there for half an hour just in the stillness and the quiet blocking out everything else and just sitting listening to God thank you yeah I heard people some people have coffees with God don't they they, they book out a, a, a chunk of time in the day and just sit with a coffee but they're having a coffee with God okay, I've one, just got two more, more on the chat yeah. uh, I listen to worship songs and this leads to prayer which in turn leads to quiet stillness, uh, deleting social media apps and concentrating on the Bible app. Yes. Finding a time to be silent in solitude and wait to see the face of Jesus and talk. Great. Thank you. Maybe there is an app that we could all think about deleting <laughs> after, this, after this service. Um, but I hope that those, that sharing and that listening to each other, um, I hope that maybe you've heard something in this sermon that might give you more courage and strength to engage that inner Mary alongside all the great Martha activities that I'm sure you're already doing. So thank you. Thank you, church, for being gentle with me as I've delivered my first sermon Thank you, Lord, for not crushing your humble servant in the process. And, and thank you, Michael Quick, for writing your book some time ago, which has given me those guide rails as a novice preacher. I'm sure I'll be doing some handbrake turns in the future, but today was all about turning up, and I'm glad I turned up. I hope you are too. Um, you might think I'm going to end by leading you in prayer, and I am, but, but not just yet. We're going to, have, um, we're going to invite the, the band back on the stage. Um, after, 
the song Rule in Your Heart. I'm going to invite us to pray, but again, pray by, by listening. So I'm going to um, hold a, a time of reflection for us all to carry on listening. And there will be opportunity, if you do hear something, if you feel you've heard something from God today, that again, that we share that with the congregation. Thank you. Church, church, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Let us practice listening carefully to God right now. Thank you. Just give anybody an opportunity to, to share anything they might have heard in that short time of listening. Again, anybody online who's felt they've heard something and wants to share that with us, please, please do so. I just heard God to tell me to stop moping. Um, I think there are small kind of areas of my life which I'm just not really giving to God that I could um, that I could do that I could be more proactive and excited about. And not to give a spoiler for next Sunday, but um, one of the points I make is that we can offer small amounts to God, and He can do so much more with our small offerings. So. I'm feeling like he's telling me to, yeah, stop being a bit lazy and complaining about small things that I could offer the small that I have and trust that God will do bigger things with that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us.
Anything online, Paul? Not this time. No. Okay, thank you, church. Thank you.